Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. You know, it's really important to become, become immersed in the Word of God because this is what's going to change your life. How many of you think maybe your life could stand a little change, a little positive change, a little bit? There's some things that could be adjusted? All right. Okay. Tonight, my topic is separation. And I want to recap just a few minutes, since it's been a couple of weeks since I've been here, that I began to teach a couple of weeks about discovering the spiritual roots of our condition, of our physical condition, of our mental condition, to look for the spiritual roots. It's important that while we're looking for roots, that we remain grace-based. This is something that we've got to maintain. You've got to stay in faith, and it's got to be grace-based. Because you know what? There's too many people out there that want to point the finger and look for something to blame. You know, But just like we have here in our ministry, people who do deliverance have themselves first been delivered. You know, we don't, have, we don't send somebody out there that has not been a recipient of ministry. And so the same thing is, is happening when we're looking at spiritual roots. Understand, there's not a person in this room that's 100% healthy. If you got a blemish, if you got an allergy, hemorrhoids, whatever, okay? There is something wrong with everybody, okay? And so we want to understand that these things are not what God intended for his people. They were not found in the Garden of Eden prior to Adam and Eve sinning. Hallelujah. You enjoyed that, did you? <laughs> so when, as we're looking at roots... And we've talked about some of these things before. We've talked about some roots a couple of weeks. I talked a little bit about some things with, um, with um, some, some types of diseases that, that are very common what people have. But you know what? We want to remain grace-based and in faith that we're not pointing the finger. You know, one of the things that the Bible says is to put away the pointing of the finger. And the last thing that anybody needs is somebody sticking their finger in their face and saying, I know what's wrong with you. You got this sin issue. Well, you might know that's what they got the sin issue, but they don't need your judgment and condemnation. Isn't that right? You know what? We want, we want this to be a safe environment. As I told you a few weeks ago, we're going to be raising up pastoral care healing teams. And these are going to be people of compassion. People who are not here to accuse you, but people who are here to help you walk through whatever your issue is and to be a support to you in compassion so you can get healed. All right? Most Christians have got enough condemnation he- heaped on their head as is. You know, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard enough of you should do this and you shouldn't do that, right? Oh, y'all must not have been in church very long, right? Okay, but, okay, we want, to, we, want to, we want to have a place of safety, a place of compassion. Now, we believe very strongly in the gifts of healings, the gifts of miracles, and also the prayer of faith. And we pray the prayer of faith. We lay hands for the sickles. The Bible says we have seen a lot of healings. We've seen a lot of miracles just from operating in faith and in the gifts of the Spirit. But you know what? It hasn't always happened. There are some folks that we've prayed for them. We've prayed in faith. We've anointed with oil. We've spoken the word out of our mouth. They have lined up their words with God's word. They've been making their faith confessions. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And they're doing all the right stuff except... They're not well yet. 
Well, that frustrates me. And I know it frustrates several of you. And so that's why we're looking at some other things that may be a factor. So we're not, we're not tossing aside gifts of healing or miracles. We're going to maintain laying on hands, and we're going to maintain words of your mouth, prayer of faith. But it's like this. If you've been prayed for, if the prayer of faith has been prayed for you, if you are lining the words of your mouth to agree with Scripture and you're not cursing yourself with your own mouth, hello, all right? You're saying the right things. You prayed in fair. If you're not healed yet... We want to help you find out what is going on. How many of you ever done that? You say, I did like the scripture said, and what the heck is going on? Hey, I've been there. I've been like, what is my problem? I have seen healings. I have seen miracles. I've seen tons of them. How come there is still this stubborn kind of issue? Well, we're going to get to the bottom of all this stuff. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you get healed immediately, that's great. That's wonderful. That's what I prefer. But if it doesn't happen, folks, we're not giving up. We're just going to dig in deeper. We're going to find out what is going on. What's the obstacle in there so we can get rid of it? We need to understand that disease is a curse. There was no disease before Adam and Eve sinned. If you look in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about all these blessings will come upon you if you obey the Lord. And then there's this long, long, long list of curses. And there are things in there that, you know, that, boy, you don't want any of those things to happen to you. It's all kinds of things from foreclosure, that's a curse, from having uh, somebody steal your kids. I mean, all that stuff is listed there, including things like your heart failing, madness, blindness, all kinds of things like that that are a curse. And as I've, we've looked at before, disease is a curse and it comes from a failure to love. It comes from a failure either to love God and his word, a failure to love yourself, or a failure to love other people. And so we want to go and discover where we have a love deficit, maybe something we have not, you know, the Bible says you need to know and believe the love of God. There are a lot of Christians that know that God loves them in their head, but they don't feel like God loves them in their heart. And so a lot of times we need to have folks get their hearts converted. You know, your head believes it, but the heart's still iffy. And so we want to... We want to create an environment to where you are established, rooted, and grounded in the love of God. Hallelujah. Now, even if there are inherited diseases, sometimes, you know, kids are born with stuff. They had not had time to sin. You know, they had not had time. They were born with something. But understand, it came through the generation somewhere up the line. Somebody violated God's command, and there can be a reaping that happens in subsequent generations. And, you know, folks, we have not understood that principle. So, therefore, I mean, we've gone ahead and we've done our own stuff. We've sinned because we felt like it, didn't think anything about our great-grandkids. Right? How many of you ever thought about your great-grandkids when you mouthed off? You know, you just did what you wanted to do and didn't think about what this might have been bringing into your family line. Well, guess what? Your great-grandparents did the same thing. They just kind of did whatever they were at the time. They had iniquity drives, things that were going on that tempted them to sin, and they failed just like Adam and Eve failed. And you and I have failed too, but thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before there was sin, there was no disease. But sin opened mankind up to the influence of the kingdom of darkness. If Satan can get at your spirituality, he will control your psychology and your physiology. 
You see, Satan could not make them sick. He could not give them mental illness or anything until he got a hold of their spirituality first. And this is the open door. They see, there are so many people right now, they're treating the physical body or they're treating the mind, but nobody's dealing with the spirit. And if we don't deal with the spiritual issues, the person's at very best going to be partly healed. They're not going to be made whole. You know what? Jesus wants us to be whole. All right. Okay. When you are at peace with God and yourself and others, there is no room for disease. The word disease means dis-ease. A lack of ease in your life. You know, as I've been teaching this, I'm telling on myself. Y'all appreciate when I tell on myself? Okay, let me tell on myself again. All right? Um, well, let's, let me make the statement first. When you don't like yourself or you have fear and anxiety and stress or envy or jealousy, your immune system is automatically compromised. Science bears it out. I told y'all before that it used to happen years ago that every time that Scott and I would get in an argument and get into a fight, and if I got emotionally upset to where I was crying, I came down with a cold in seven to ten days. I mean, I could look on my calendar and see where the devil got in because my immune system was compromised. Well, this past week, this past week, I got emotionally upset, not with Scott. I got emotionally upset to where my feelings were hurt and I was crying. The next day, I have a sore throat and sinusitis. I haven't had anything like that in years. But I, I mean, I immediately went digging for the roots. Okay, what is going on inside of me? Folks, sore throat, respiratory things, that's fear and anxiety, that's insecurity. When I got my feelings hurt, the insecurity demon was right there. You know, harassing my mind, getting my feelings hurt and upset. And guess what? It manifested in my physical body. So since that time, I'm doing the things I'm teaching you to do. I'm repenting. I'm forgiving and asking God for healing. I am much better. And I'm believing tonight for the whole thing to be completely evaporated, you know, and that you won't be able to tell. But see, I have to tell some things of myself. Because you know what? We're wounded healers. We need for people to understand that we are, every last one of us, a work in progress. There is nobody is 100% perfect except Jesus. So we're all work in progress. So you see, I'm, that way, if I tell you that I came down with sinusitis and a sore throat because of an emotional thing that happened where the devil got in, then that can encourage you that you can come tell me your stuff. You see, because we don't want anybody hiding their sickness and disease out of fear. I, you know, some of this stuff might be embarrassing. Would you like to know the roots of hemorrhoids? Nobody answer me. Okay. Maybe you're like, well, yeah, I would, but I don't want to say so. <laughs> you know what, folks, some of this stuff might be a little bit uncomfortable. But you know what? The roots of, the roots of hemorrhoids are rage and resentment. Isn't that interesting? Anything vascular is rage and resentment. Respiratory stuff is fear and anxiety. You know what? There are roots of things, folks. It's time for us to start getting to the bottom of this stuff so we can deal with it and be healed in the healing that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. You see, Jesus paid for our healing with his own blood. And for you and me not to walk in it, that's a wrong picture. And I feel like, you know, it does a disservice to the cross of Christ. 
I believe that he should get for his sacrifice, he should see us walking 100% in all that he purchased for us. I feel very passionately about that. Amen? Because what good is it? I mean, what good is it if Jesus went to the cross for our healing and we're still sick? This has got to change, folks. This has got to change. All right. I'm going to refer to several scriptures before we actually turn to some, but you feel free to write down the references. In Ephesians 6.12, the King James says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, we know that verse. Probably many of you can quote that verse. Oh, yeah, 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 we wrestle not. But I bet you do. I bet you do wrestle with flesh and blood. I bet when your coworker, neighbor, child, spouse, whoever, really ticks you off, you kind of forget about there's a demon involved. As far as you're concerned, is that bratty kid, or is that obnoxious neighbor, or your jerk of a spouse? <laughs> okay? Because we haven't learned to separate it very much, you know? Because we look at a person, and we see... The sin and the person as the same thing. But the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with entities from the kingdom of darkness. Now understand, when Adam and Eve first sinned, that was when they listened to that invisible realm. You see, Adam and Eve, they didn't know anything about sin. All they know was God said, don't eat from the tree. Okay, don't eat from the tree. Well, then here comes the tempter. Don't you want to eat from that tree? What did God say to you anyway? But being tempted is not a sin. The tempter comes to everybody. The tempter came to Jesus. Isn't that right? So that's not a sin. But the problem was when you started thinking about it a while. Boy, that sounds like a pretty good idea. That's when sin began to enter in. See, it started because she started listening to somebody she shouldn't have been listening to. You and I have spent our lives hearing a lot of voices. And some of these things, we need to shut them up and get them out. You know, what the great thing would have happened would have been if Eve and Adam had seen that talking snake over there and said, your words are not, you know, God's words. You need to shut up and get out of the garden. Because God did command them to keep the garden, to guard it. So if they'd have done that, things would be different. But they didn't. You see, they listened to a voice. And then later, after they've sinned, and then the Lord says to them, Hey, where are you? Where'd you go? And they said, Well, we're afraid. We were naked. He said, Who told you you were naked? They thought they heard a spirit tell them, You are naked. You better be afraid. You know what? They had never been afraid of God before. Never, ever. Why would they be afraid of God? They had afternoon tea, whatever, with God every day. They had a visit with Him every day. They did not know fear. What beings should be afraid of God? Beings from the kingdom of darkness. That who, that's who is supposed to be afraid of God because God has judged the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that right? Satan and his kingdom have been judged. And so that's who needs to fear God, not people. But what happened is you had these demon spirits who were afraid of God and they began to whisper to Adam and Eve. Next thing you know, Adam and Eve... Oh, they're afraid too. Do you know that God has told us over and over in the Bible to fear not? 365 times. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. 
Do you know that's not a suggestion? Do you know that's a commandment? Fear not. Fear not. But we have been programmed and trained by demon spirits to live in measures of fear. You know, it's really wonderful when you watch like, little babies that don't know fear. It's fun to watch them. They're not afraid of anything. They don't know what fear is. You know, Adam and Eve did not know what fear is, but you and I sure do, don't we? We know exactly what fear is. We know what happens when fear comes and we listen to those voices and all of a sudden your stomach's in knots. And all of a sudden your heart's pounding. And all of a sudden you break out in a cold sweat from nothing more than listening to and agreeing to a spirit of fear. Adam and Eve did not distinguish their own thoughts from that of demons. And this is a big problem in Christianity. Christians have not distinguished their own thoughts from demons either. You know, demons are really good uh, masters of disguise. You know, the Bible says that even Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light. You know what? When he talks to you, it sounds like your voice. Not like on TV. You know how on TV in the movies, the demons, oh, they make a squinchy voice. I mean, this, this, they don't sound like that. It sounds like you. It sounds exactly like your voice. And it's always in, well, why does she talk to me like that? Well, what'd she say that for? Well, I don't think I like this very much. It's using first person, and you think these are your thoughts. Folks, these are not your thoughts. They are planted in you. If you do not resist the temptation to believe them, you will own those thoughts. You will make them your own. Do you know this is how we get programmed? This is how the devil has programmed most of the human race. You know, Adam and Eve were tough. They didn't have any fear. They didn't have any iniquity. They didn't have any generational curses. They didn't have anything like that. So the devil gets them to sin one time, and then from there on, he's working overtime to program them to teach them sin because all they knew was faith and love and walking with God. So he's working overtime to program them. Why does the devil want to program you and me? Because then he can go find somebody else to work on because you get on autopilot. Oh, come on, don't tell me the devil don't know how to push your buttons. Come on. They're doing layoffs down at work, and you get called in. What does the spirit of fear tell you? You're next. You're getting laid off. You won't have enough money. How are you going to pay for your car? You know what? If the devil does enough building of that in you, all he's got to do is just have the boss call her in. And that's it. He goes, find somebody else to mess with. You'll destruct yourself. You will. I've watched people get themselves so worked up over imaginary things. But what was going on? They were listening to some voice, believing it was their own, and then they got their faith working in reverse to where they're now they're expecting something disastrous to happen. You know, faith and worry, they, they work very similar. The Bible says in 1 John 4.18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So who wants you to live in fear? Not God. Not God, but the devil wants you to live in fear. He's afraid, and he wants you to be afraid too. Now, as I was teaching you a couple of weeks ago, the devil wants to get you afraid 
Because when he can get a hold of your spirituality and fear is a spiritual issue, he can control your psychology and can control your physiology. When you get afraid, you notice physical things happen in your body. If the devil can keep you in a perpetual state of fear, you will have high blood pressure. You will have Crohn's disease. You will have all kinds of diseases that come out from an increase of histamines and an increase of accelerated heart rate, all those kinds of things. See, the devil is just after your spirituality because you'll mess up your own physical body. Haven't you known people that just worried themselves sick? Haven't you, haven't you had dinner one time, got all upset, worried yourself, and then spent a couple hours in the bathroom? Because your body didn't want to digest because of everything that was going on. Where? Inside your soul. Because of the thoughts you were having, the feelings that you were having. All right. Demons crave expression. You know, because they live in in a spirit dimension, they want access to a physical body to have expression. Because a demon can be walking around through here right now, but there's not much he can do unless he gets somebody to cooperate with him. So say a demon comes walking through and comes and sits next to one of our guests and says, you know, this is a cult. You know, you better get out of here before they get a box of snakes or something. (laughs) Okay, you know... I mean, what's he waiting for? He's waiting for somebody that he can express himself through. All right? So a demon is looking for expression. They want to speak thoughts, and they wait for you to accept them as your own. All right? When you hear thoughts about a fear of abandonment or a fear of rejection, these are not your thoughts. These are certainly not God's thoughts. What you're doing is you are sensing the presence of an evil spirit. You know, most people can kind of recognize temptation. It's like, well, let's go rob a bank or let's go, you know, something like that temptation. But, you know, what about the temptation to fear? What about the temptation not to trust God? What about the temptation to hold on to offenses and grudges? Right? You're detecting an evil spirit. So understand, you're not going to wrestle with flesh and blood. This is going to help you out in dealing with people. You understand, your problem is not your spouse, your, ne- your neighbor, your coworker. Your problem is there's a demon that's been pushing buttons in your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker. They're agreeing with what that demon says. Therefore, they are entering into sin. But that's not them. That's the force of sin at work in them. You know, we've got to be able to do more like God does. God sees us through the eyes, through the blood of Jesus. He sees us as separate from our sin. Otherwise, how could he treat us with any kind of love, right? He sees us separately from our sin. And we also need to to develop the habit of practicing separation to where we watch somebody how they're behaving and we begin to separate you know that's really not them there's a spirit that i can't see that's whispered in their ear there's a spirit that i can't see that's feeding them a line right now that's trying to get them over into some kind of negative behavior if you entertain the thoughts that you hear from a devil 
You entertain. You think about it a long time. You know, I think that's right. You know, I think that's true. You know, evidence looks like true to me. If you start believing that, you become one with it in your soul. You see, the devil is holding this thought out to here. Here, don't you want it? Don't you want it? Don't you want it? Oh, good, you took it. And then you are hooked just like a fish on a hook. You are hooked in, and now this thing, you have become connected and bonded to the kingdom of darkness. I don't think we want that. You have become connected and bonded to the kingdom of darkness to the point to where a stronghold of the devil is formed inside of you. Y'all, we sing songs about tearing down strongholds, but it starts right here. It starts right here with not agreeing and not taking those thoughts and learning to separate what is God's thought, what's your thought, and what's the devil's thought. The Bible says that you were, your spirit was recreated in true holiness. Isn't that right? Your spirit loves God. Your spirit wants to do what's right. Your soul does to the extent your soul has been renewed and been transformed. But there are pockets in every last one of us that there are little places of strongholds that have come because we have agreed with something that the devil has said or done. We bought into it as being true instead of what God's word has said. So you know what happens when you've got strongholds from the devil inside of you? Your personality becomes corrupted. And you're not the person that God intended for you to be. You've taken on aspects of the corrupt kingdom into your own personality. Now think about that for a second. Can you imagine Jesus Christ ever being afraid? No, right? Never imagine Jesus Christ being afraid. Have you ever known somebody who was eat up with fear? Yes, I know people eat up with fear. Do you know that is a corrupt personality because the devil was looking for expression and found somebody? And so that corruption is not the person, but it's all the strongholds. It's all the demons that have taken a hold and joined in with that personality. And so now you've got a fabricated personality. The person is not living the life Jesus Christ died for them to live. They're not living the, type, the, the potential that the heart of Father God was for them to live in. A fabricated personality. This is, comes from accommodating yourself to others' expectations out of fear, such as fear of man, failure, rejection, abandonment, whatever. You know, the devil sets you up from a kid. From, from a kid. If not in your family, then in school. How many of you were ever rejected from schoolmates? How many of you ever picked last for the basketball team? I was. I was always picked last. Athletics were never my deal. Okay? I still have trouble making a basket. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a klutz, it seems, from time to time. But I'm over it now. doesn't bother me. It's okay. You know? But, you know, when I was a child, that was very painful. Do you know what the devil was trying to do? He was trying to corrupt my personality so I would take on spirits of rejection and I'd become some shrinking violet somewhere that never would dare stand in front of people and teach. You see, your personality can become corrupted when you accommodate yourself to make somebody else happy, but you do so out of fear of disapproval. 
and probably all of us suffer about from it to an extent even if you grew up in a healthy family there's times your mom and dad disapproved of you and it's very possible that all of us picked up something because none of us was raised with unconditional love even if you had great parents healthy family I'm sorry nobody loves you like God okay so you have to think about it. What is it about my personality, about my soul, that is not in the image of God? What is it about me that's fearful, that's angry, that's hostile, that's envious, that's jealous? What is it about me that is not conformed to the image of Jesus and has to be changed? Hallelujah. There's good news, folks. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now I'm going to tell you something. You are being transformed right now by something. You're either being transformed to be more like the Word of God or you're being transformed to be more like the kingdom of darkness because none of us is static. There's always something, pressure that's going on. So are you becoming more free, more healed, more delivered, more holy, more loving, more compassionate, or are you becoming more fearful, more anxious, more upset, more insecure, more whatever. I mean, what are we, which way are we going on this? You see, we are being transformed. But that's why the scripture says not to be conformed to the pressures of the world because in the world, all those poor people out there have grown up under satanic bondage and they're corrupted. I mean, have you met somebody you just didn't like them at all? You know, you think about it. We say, oh, it's personality conflict. Yeah, you and the devil. That's what a conflict is. You know what? If they get... Now, you think about people that you know who are difficult. Maybe they're... I mean, they're just mean. Or they're just unstable. Or people you don't know that you have a problem with. You know what? If they get healed, if they walk... If, if they get their minds renewed and they start living in the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they'd probably be really great folks, wouldn't they? I mean, haven't we thought, man, if they, she'd just get over this, she'd be fine. But you see... That's where we can see it's really not them. It's the strongholds in them that we got the problem with. It's the sin in them we got the problem with. It's the demons in them we got the problem with. Because you take those things out, they'd probably be a great person. Hallelujah. Now, we're all being transformed by something. So the scripture says be transformed by the renewing of your mind with the word of God, right? Okay. What... In your, in your memory, you know, in your soul is your memory. You have short-term memory and you have long-term memory, right? Short-term memory is when, you know, you're driving down the road and you see that little blue pickup truck and, okay, he passed you 90 miles an hour and probably next week you'll completely forget about the guy in the blue pickup truck, right? Short-term memory. You see a picture or you take something into your mind and then when you remember it, that's because you're, you're bringing it back, and it works because of a biochemical process going on in your brain cells. So your memory works because you have, first of all, seen something, put it in. Long-term memory comes when you focus on short-term memory, when you meditate upon it. Now, let me think about this. When you have repeated thinking about it, repeated meditating on it, that's how you get long-term memory. What's nine times three? When's the last time you had that in school? 
For some of us, it's been a long time since we were in school. But 9 times 3 is 27 because it's in my long-term memory, right? It's your long-term memory. Because it's something that I don't know about you, but my teachers made me learn my times tables. And I had to, I mean, we spent hours and hours, you know, 9 times 1 and 9 times 2 and 9 times 3 until we got that imprinted into our long-term memory. And we studied and we worked on purpose to ingest that material, that information, and bring it in. Now, let me tell you what happens. When you meditate on short-term memory, it goes through a process of protein synthesis through your RNA. Y'all remember RNA, ribonucleic acid? Remember that from science class? It goes through protein synthesis, and it actually builds that memory into your physical body. It builds it. Proteins are joined together with what you think about, and it actually becomes part of your your makeup in your brain. It gets into your brain cells. It becomes part of your soul, your memory. It becomes part of your genetics. It becomes part of your physiology. Now think about that. Now that just kind of blows me away to think about this really gets into my flesh and blood, you know. Now think about this for a minute. The Word of God says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We thought that was poetic. We thought that was vague spiritual. No, literally. Literally, what you meditate upon gets into your long-term memory and actually forms cells and transfers that information into <coughs> your DNA, your RNA. That's wild. Now think about this too. John 1.14 And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, right? And the word of God was made flesh. Do you know the word is still being made flesh? The word of God that we're to inst- we are instructed by the scriptures to transform our minds, you know what? God wants you to study and meditate on the word of God because he wants his word to make- be made flesh in you. He wants that to be building those pathways in your brain, not fear, not anxiety, not stress, not rage, not jealousy. You see, if you meditate on a lie long enough, it is actually built into your physiology. It will affect how you behave. It will affect your health. So this is why the Word of God tells us in Philippians 4.8, Finally, my brethren, what? Think on these things. Why does the scripture tell you to think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and of good report, excellence if they're praiseworthy? Why does the Bible tell you to focus upon and meditate on those things? Because God's trying to build something into your very being. Literally built. Isn't that wild? You know, what if the Bible's true, y'all? Do you ever think about that? What if the Bible's really true? As a man thinks in his heart, so he really is. And the Word was made flesh? Really? And it's still being made flesh? Really? Yeah. All right. Do you know that Jesus said in Mark 7, 21 to 23, He said, For out of the heart of a man proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, all those things. And He says, These evil things come from within the man and they defile the man. 
right? Evil things that come out. Evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, deceit, envy, slander. Those things come out of you and defile you. Well, I always thought defile meant, okay, I'm spiritually unclean. No, spiritually unclean is, unclean is only part of it. You become physically unclean. You become physically unhealthy because of the corruption that goes on inside the heart. Does this make sense to you? Okay. All right. Now let's open and look at some scripture. I've read some to you, but let's look. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 4. You see why you can't afford to worry? Why you can't afford to just dwell upon lies? Because that stuff will get burned into your long-term memory. This is why it's so important that we have given attention to the Word of God, to things that are good. It is going to deliberately build health into your being. Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now think about this. The word of God is sharper than a sword and the word will separate between soul and spirit and joints and marrow and will judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God will come in real clear and tell you exactly what's what. But when it says in the next verse, neither is there any creature that is, not, that is hidden from his sight the Word of God will expose the work of demons in your soul and in your body. As I told you a couple of weeks ago, they want to get into your marrow because your marrow is in your bones. That's where your blood is formed. And the devil wants to get in there and corrupt the, the life that is being formed in you on a daily basis. So, demons are exposed. It says they are exposed at work in your body and in your soul. As we continue to do this study and these trainings, we're going, to, um, we're going to be doing research into whatever physical or mental condition that you've got. And we're going to be looking at spiritual roots and discover through the Word of God what is going on inside of you that is manifesting this way in either your soul or your body. Getting some answers for some people, okay? You know what? We want to expose the work of darkness, this is not to accuse or point the finger at anybody. This is to expose where the devil has been up to trouble in your life so that you can deal with it and so you can get free of it and go on. Isn't that a good plan? Hallelujah. I'm all for freedom. I'm all for freedom. The Lord has said in Deuteronomy 7:15, the scripture says the Lord will remove from you all sickness. He will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt which you have known, but he will lay them on all who hate you. Now, if the Lord has promised for his people that he was going to remove sickness and not put Egyptian diseases on them, that means there was going to be a real difference between his people and the Egypt, right? 
Big difference. Let's look at the body of Christ today. Are the same diseases in Egypt as are on us right now? What's going on? What kind of diseases they got in Egypt? Oh, you know, asthma, allergies, heart disease, you know. They got everything in Egypt, right? Every kind of disease. What happened when God said, I'm not going to put any of this stuff on you? He says, I will lay them on all who hate you. So the people of God shouldn't be having the same diseases that are out there in Egypt, should they? But you know what? A lot of us, we have bought into some of the devil's lies. Well, that's what happens when you get older. I'm like, excuse me? I mean, how many haven't we heard? Aren't you supposed to get arthritis when you're old? Aren't you supposed to get high blood pressure when you're old? I heard that kind of garbage all my life. I don't see it in the scriptures, though. What I see is God says, I'm, I'm going to take away all the diseases that the Egyptians got. You're not going to have them anymore. So I want to know how come I got some of this stuff. I want to know what is going on when this is not supposed to be my inheritance. Okay. Do you know that the Bible says, I've taught this a couple weeks ago, that the curse causeless shall not come. The Bible says in Proverbs, right? The curse causeless will not come, shall not come. That means that if you're experiencing the curse of disease, there's a reason that's there, folks. You know what? Well, I remember years and years ago, I, I got sick. I had an um, ovarian cyst that had to be surgically removed. This is long before I knew anything about this stuff. And I didn't know. They told me I had a cyst. It kind of hurt. They told me, you're going to have surgery. I go, okay, I'm having surgery. So I went in. They cut me open, took out my ovary and the cyst. And while they're in there, they took out my appendix, sewed me up, and, you know, after a few days sent me home. And I remember talking to somebody about that. I'm like, I just want to know why this happened. And they said, well, you know, it just happens. I just never did believe that. I always thought, why did I get that? Why? You know? And nobody had any answers for me. Nobody knew why. But I always felt like there had to be a reason. Because I don't think Eve had ovarian cysts before the fall, you know? This stuff came after sin. This is not God's intent. So I'm wanting to go say, you know, what is going on? And so much of the time, what do we do? Oh, it's just the devil. Oh, it's just an attack. How many Christians you heard say that, right? Oh, it's just an attack. Well, let me ask you this. The devil never could make Jesus sick. He never could make Jesus sick. Jesus said... That the thief, the, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. There was nothing inside of Jesus that the devil could hook into. The devil could not get to Jesus' spirituality because he didn't buy into it. So therefore, there was no landing strip for the curse to come. Folks, this is, this is hard truth now. But the stuff that you and I are dealing with right now, we brought on ourselves. Some of it may have come down through inheritance from family, but most of what you and I are dealing with, we have agreed with the devil somehow, and we're responsible. You see, one thing that needs to happen in America is people need to quit blaming everybody else for their junk. You can quit blaming your mama, quit blaming your daddy, quit blaming those people, whoever they are, and just start to be an adult or growing into an adult person and just say, you know what? I'm taking responsibility. You know what? We live in a society that is plagued with victims. 
Well, if it wasn't for my mother, if it wasn't for my father, if it wasn't for my childhood, if it wasn't for my race, if it wasn't for my sex, if it wasn't for my... You know what? Get over it and start quit whining. I have a t-shirt that says no whining. You know, quit whining. I get so tired of that because whining is not accepting responsibility. And we need to be a people who start saying, okay, I have messed up. But I'm a work in progress. God forgives me. I'm going to learn and I'm going to get healed and delivered. Amen? And I'm going to help somebody else too in the process. And the devil loses another one. Right? I mean, let's, let's think about it. The more you and I get our minds renewed, we get our minds healed, we get our spirits made right, we get our bodies healed, the devil loses ground. He loses territory. What's a better witness for Jesus Christ? A healthy person or an unhealthy person? Oh, come on. Don't you want it to be that you go down to work and everybody's sick but you? How come you don't get sick? You get a chance to tell them how come you don't get sick. In a compassionate, loving way, you talk about what you've learned from the Word of God. Okay? Because as I said, we're not pointing the fingers. We're not accusing. We're understanding we're all a work in progress. Okay? All right, while I'm offending everybody, let me continue. All right, some things are inherited, lots of things are our own fault. Say, well, my problem is because I was in an accident. Why aren't you healed? Because something in you is preventing healing. That's not condemnation, that's just the truth. All right, I believe in miracles. I believe in creative miracles. Why haven't you gotten your creative miracle yet? Why haven't you got your healing yet? Because something in you is in agreement with the kingdom of darkness that doesn't want you to have it. This is not condemnation, folks. This is just telling the truth to set us free. Okay? No more we're going to blame. Well, if that car hadn't have done this, if I had, you know, let's quit blaming. It is what it is. Okay? It is what it is. We live in a sinful world. The devil set people up. He makes people drive too fast. He makes people do stuff. Stuff happens, all right? But I believe that the blessing of God is to far overtake anything that the devil has done. Otherwise, who's stronger? Oh, come on. Who's, I mean, who is really stronger? Is the blessing of God enough to undo, reverse, and change everything that the devil has done in a person's life? Absolutely. Well, that's what we want to see because I don't want the church of Jesus Christ continue to be a testimony to how bad the devil is. How about to the goodness of God for our own healing, for our own deliverance? Hallelujah. All right, Romans chapter 7, please. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that the Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish but for all to come to repentance god is after repentance in us and what we see is well let me put it this way if you're pretty healthy here tonight you're not get to sit here and be smug Okay, you don't get here to be, well, I got it all right. I'm do no, you don't get to do that. Because the Bible says very clearly that God is patient and he's given people time to repent. 
when you have lived 50 years or so, you've had a lot of time for the devil to build strongholds inside of you. This is why people start to have their health deteriorate when they get into their later years. Because there's been 50 years of setting up by the devil. 50 years of hurt feelings. 50 years of obstacles and challenges. So if you're 20 and you're pretty healthy, you better keep your own heart clean. Because you don't want to be a crabby old man and a crabby old lady, right? I've seen those. I'm like, I don't want to be one. I went through a very painful experience several years ago, and that was my constant prayer to the Lord. God, I do not want to be a bitter old lady. So to prevent that, it's like I'm going to have to, I had to work hard on my forgiveness, work hard to uproot a root of bitterness, because I can't afford to have that mess in my life, and neither can you. Right? You can't afford it. So blessings come quickly. You ever notice when somebody repents that all of a sudden blessings, blessings, somebody gets saved. I mean, all of a sudden blessings in their life, blessings come quickly. Curses take time because God doesn't want you to reap the curse immediately. He wants you to have time to repent. To repent. He's given you time to make it right. All right? Y'all still happy? <laughs> Romans 7. I know this is not very fun, but this is important. This is going to help us, okay? You know, we just have to shatter some delusions sometimes we've been having. All right, now let's look at Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul, tremendous man of God, right? Tremendous man of God, had revelation. I mean, he's a picture of an overcomer, isn't he? And look what Paul says, Romans 7, 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I'm not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the, the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me. I thought he is saved. He is saved. But what did he say? He said there is evil present inside of me, making me do stuff I don't want to do. You say, well, Paul needs deliverance. You know, isn't that, how, isn't that how we think? Oh, let's just fix that. Let's just, oh, he just needs deliverance if he's not saved, something, you know. But Paul, he says in verse 21, I find in the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Folks, we all have good intentions. You know what? We love God in our hearts. We want to live right. We don't want there to be anything in us that comes from the, from the devil's kingdom, right? We want things to be right. But Paul says as much as you want it right, he recognized there was a force at work inside of him that was making him mess up when he didn't want to. How do you feel after you sin? You feel like dirt, don't you? You feel bad. 
That's how you know you're saved, when it bothers you. <laughs> you know, you know, you feel bad. You don't like it. And you're like, God, I hate this thing. I hate this. Isn't that your heart? I hate this. I have done that before. I said, God, I hate this thing that is on the inside of me. I hate this sin with a passion. Do you know what? That God sees that. God sees that you hate that thing. And he knows that that is not how he created you to live in the shame of that thing. God understands you are separate from your sin. But Paul said there is a law. There is a spiritual law. There is something working inside of me that's working against me, making my life miserable. It's a, it's a law of sin. There is evil that is present within me. Now flip back to chapter 6. Look what Paul says in verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now that's a promise for us. God has promised us that sin shall not be mastering over you. But guess what? There is some, this thing is present, so you and I are going to have to put it to death. You and I are going to have to do our part to stop that thing from working on the inside of us. In Romans 6, 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So we recognize the provision is there for us to be free of it. But Paul said, I'm having a time with this thing. Okay, I'm still struggling. It is our responsibility to, first of all, to recognize sin that is dwelling inside of us. You know, until we recognize it, we're not going to do anything about it. We've got to recognize it. You know what? When you are entering into rage, when you're entering into envy and jealousy, when you're entering into anxiety, you've got to acknowledge this stuff is real. I admit it. I remember one time many years ago, I was praying. I was so envious. And I absolutely despise envy. I hate envy with a passion. And I was crying out to God saying, God, I hate this thing. You know what? God sees my heart that I hate envy. And I hated the way I was feeling. I wanted that thing to be removed from me just desperately. You know, but I had to recognize it and say, you know what, God, I'm envious. I'm absolutely green with envy. And I hate it, and I can't stand it. You see, I'm, I'm saying, when I took on envy, I agreed with the thought that a spirit of envy came to me. A spirit of envy said, you know what, they got it better than you. Look how much they got better on you. See, God don't love you like he loves them. That's what envy, te- envy tells you. Well, the reason I was feeling envy was because I had believed it. If I had not believed it, I would not be feeling envious. But I had believed it, so therefore, that thing had formed a stronghold inside of me. And I absolutely hated the thing. When we participate with sin, we allow it to rule our lives. Have you ever experienced that when envy is ruling you? It's a miserable feeling. You can't even, you're trying so hard, but you can't think anything nice about them. Because you're so eat up with envy. You know, when you participate with that sin, it, it comes and starts to rule your life. It starts to rule your family and rule your generations. 
Because when you open the door of that stuff, you've also opened it for your great-grandchildren. You see, some of the things you and I are facing with today is iniquity drives from four or five generations back. Things that our ancestors opened the door for. That from time to time, you know, things have been perpetuated because somebody else agreed with it. Somebody else agreed with it. And now it's like we need to stop this stuff and say it's going to stop to the best of my ability, the grace of God, to get this thing broken off of my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. James says that when each man is tempted, he's carried away by his own lust. He says that then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Folks, being tempted is not sin. Being tempted is not sin. Being drawn away, that means it's appealing to you. I mean, if it didn't appeal to you, it wouldn't tempt you, right? Come on, you're on a fast. (laughs) And you get invited to the family, you know, the big all-you-can-eat buffet. When does that appeal to you? Come on, when does it appeal to you? I mean, when you're in a position where that sounds really good, (laughs) it sounds really good about now. Well, what's happening is you're being drawn away by your own strong desire. The word lust means strong desire. You're thinking, oh, I bet they're going to have that broccoli salad. I bet they're going to have chocolate cake. I bet they're going to have prime rib. I bet Scott's making barbecue. I mean, you start thinking and you start getting drawn away. Okay? When does it become sin? When you, yeah, when, you, when, when you get in the car, you get in the car and you show up. You sit, you know. so, so when, but it's when we have taken it further to where now we have accepted the idea. That's when you've sinned. That's how Jesus said that a man could look at a woman with lust in his heart and it was the same as doing adultery. Because Noticing a woman, guys, this can help you. Noticing a woman who is attractive is not sinful. You can turn your heart and say, you know what? I'm not going to go there with my thoughts. She's attractive. I'm not going there. I mean, God created you to notice, okay? Women and men, we understand this, right? This is biology, okay? The sin part comes meditation about that. wonder how I can make this work. Or I wish I could make this work. I wonder what that would be like. You are entering into a place of fantasy. And whether or not you ever walk over and have an encounter, a conversation with her, you've already done it in your heart as far as God's concerned. You've already given in to the temptation. But the temptation is not a sin. So the temptation for fear, for anxiety, for worry, for aggravation, that stuff is just a temptation. You know what? Separate yourself from it. To where when that spirit comes and says, well, did you see how they treated you? And tries to get you to take offense at somebody. Why don't you separate yourself and say, that's not me. That's not me. I'm creating true holiness. You know what? That's not God's thought. That's not me. That's the devil (laughs) trying to get me to buy in to that attitude. To just separate it. That's not you. And so that's going to help you. You're going to look at somebody else and watch them. They're going to sin and screw up. You can go, that's not them. God didn't create them to be like that. They just bought in to something from the devil. That was the devil put them up to it. It's all his fault, but they just said yes. And we're going to be able to separate and have some compassion for folks. We need to recognize the temptation. Recognize the thing that's being presented to you. Call it by its name. That's envy. 
That's lust, that's fear, that's hatred. Whatever that thing is, just call it by it and recognize it, okay? Take responsibility. You're not going to let that thing have expression in you. Remember, demons want expression. Not here. You cannot set up camp in my thought processes. You're not going to get into my heart. I choose to believe the best about that person. I'm not going to believe that stuff. It amazes me how quickly we are. We believe the worst about people. It amazes me how quick. You know, the Bible says love believes the best about people. Why don't we just believe that they didn't intend to hurt you? Why don't we just believe that they, they meant well as best they could? You know, maybe they had a bad day. I mean, you don't know. But let's have a little compassion for people. Okay. After we recognize and take responsibility, then we repent. <clears throat> when we realize we've fallen into temptation, we've sinned, we take responsibility. We're not blaming. Well, it's that woman you gave me. Well, if that woman wasn't dressed like that. I've heard guys say, you know, well, if she wouldn't dress like that, I wouldn't have a problem. That's not true. That is not true. That You know in some parts of the world where the women are covered pretty much from head to toe, the guys get turned on by ankle. It's not how she's dressed. Granted, some women dress immodestly, and it creates a more of a challenge for guys. I understand that. That's why the Bible tells old women you need to instruct young women about some of these things. Instruct them a little bit because y'all young women are stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, they are. They're stupid. I remember years and years ago, there was a, a young man, young man in his... Uh, you know, early 20s, and he was talking to a couple of teenage girls. He started telling him, he says, you don't understand what happens to a guy. You need to not wear that kind of clothing. I mean, he was talking to him like a brother to a sister and explained things to them. Well, I, I thought it was cute. What the girl thinks is cute, sometimes, I'm telling you, if she's got any sense in her head, and if she's got a mother, she won't be wearing that kind of stuff. I mean, there are some people that go out down the street, I'm thinking, where's your mother? Come here, let me dress you. Let me help you out here, you know. It doesn't have to be old lady clothes. But I tell you what, we, we don't do, we do a disservice to brothers in Christ. I've heard men, men have said, you know, you think you go to church, you think you should be able to get away from this stuff. I've heard that. Women come to church. You know, there's some churches, the ushers are trained uh, not to let certain women sit on the front row because of how they're dressed and how they behave, because they don't want them interfering with the pastor and the worship team and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they do. They get your little, you know, bouncers out there and make them go sit somewhere else, you know. You know, but you know what? That's just, that's just having compassion and concern for brothers in Christ, you know. Let's help them out, you know. Instead of, well, they, I can dress how I want to. You know what? There is a responsibility you have before God. There really is a responsibility. You know what? We don't want to be someone who causes our brother to stumble or our sister to stumble, whatever. Some of these guys' swimsuits, they need to you know, take back and get some more clothes on them too. Um, this is way not in my notes, but <laughs> this is where people live, right? I'm speaking to 100% men and women and, and young people in here. Okay. All right. Somewhere in my notes. I know it's getting late. How long have I been doing this? About an hour? I'm an hour? Okay. All right. 
If I'm an hour, that's a good time to stop, dude. <laughs> Not that I think I'm boring or anything, but I also know that y'all are sitting on some pretty hard chairs over there. So, <laughs> Okay, all right. Guys, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10... 4 and 5, and the King James, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring it into every, bring it in every thought, into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Folks, you and I have got to start thinking about what we're thinking. We've got to not let every little thought that flies over your head land. You know, Martin Luther said, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> right? So, just because the thoughts come doesn't mean you have to take them. Remember, there is a demon looking for expression. It wants to sound like you. It wants you to take on fear and rage and all these things that we've been mentioning. Because if you can get you to do that, it's got expression. And it'll mess up your soul. It'll mess up your personality. And it will mess up your physical body. See? The devil's pretty smart. He's been at this for a long time. It's time for us to get smart. It's time for us to catch up and catch on to what's going on. And it's time for us to start doing what the Bible tells us to, is to get these strongholds pulled down, to get these thoughts into captivity to where they obey Christ. So now if you and I have had a stronghold built, you had a stronghold built of fear, of insecurity. Let's go with that one. You had a stronghold of insecurity. So you're not... You're not confident being around your people, being around speaking in front of public. You're not confident that people are going to you know, treat you right. There's a little bit of insecurity that's going on because a stronghold has been established on the inside of you. You know what? That thing needs to go. Those strongholds of insecurity that you think, well, that's just me. That's just my personality. I'm just shy. That's what the devil wants you to think. That is not how God's created you to be. All right? So we've got to pull those strongholds down. And it's going to come by casting down the imagination that when the thought comes, well, they don't want to see me. They don't like me. They don't want to hear from me. Well, maybe they'll quit. And maybe they'll, you know what? Cast those things down. It's like, you know what? We're going to bring every thought into captivity. What does God's word say? You know, it says perfect love cast out fear. You know, I, I know a guy. I know a guy. I think a couple of you guys are just like him. Never met a stranger. Doesn't know what a stranger is. And is absolutely confident that everybody loves him. That everybody thinks he's wonderful. And is shocked that that's not the case. Most people are not that way. Most people have so much rejection and insecurity. They expect that people won't like them. Won't want to sit by them. Won't want to talk to them. Won't want to, won't want to. Well, you know what, folks? That's a stronghold of thinking. That is corrupting your personality because God made you to be a joy and delight wherever you went. You just start saying, I'm adorable. I'm wonderful. People love me. You know what? God thinks that way about you. God thinks that way. We need to think of ourselves the way that God does. Hallelujah. I think y'all are all wonderful. See, and y'all think I'm wonderful too. It's good. It's great. It's wonderful. Okay. But we're going to bring every thought into captivity. Every thought into captivity. This means we're going to start examining our thoughts, folks. We have in the, <clears throat> in the teaching from John and Paul Sanford, which many of you may know, uh, which we have studied, we've read their books and things, one of, the common, one of the statements they often make is, if you've got the fruit, 
You've got the root. So if we look at your allergies, and I tell you, all of your allergies, whether it's hay fever, whether it's to cats, whether it's to mold, whether it's to whatever, if I tell you it's all fear, the root of that is fear. Don't stand here and tell me I'm not a fearful person. I'm telling you, if you've got the fruit, you've got the root. All right? If you got hemorrhoids, you got anger and rage. Don't say, well, I'm a nice person. If you got the fruit, you got the root, folks. Your body will tell the truth. Okay? This is not condemnation. This is just time to fess up, folks. It's time to tell the truth. Look at the truth about ourselves. All right? We're not pointing the finger at a single soul. I tell on myself. It's better anyway, right? Everybody's much more comfortable when I tell on myself. <laughs> not telling you. Okay. It's time for us to fall out of agreement with the devil's lies. It's time to get our minds renewed with the Word of God and to begin to have the Word of God be made flesh inside of us to where we think just like Jesus we behave, we respond just like Jesus, that obeying the scriptures come naturally and easily to us. No big deal. We don't, we don't fight over whether or not I'm going to forgive or not. We know the word of God commands it, and so, okay, I forgive you. You know what? This needs to be a daily thing. Forgiveness. Folks, most people's problems stem from bitterness. Most of the mental and physical problems that you and I face stem from bitterness. The Bible says that bitterness is a root which will defile, it'll corrupt. So I want us to take a few moments here and I want us to pray. I want to give you a chance to get rid of some bitterness. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I'm going to have you just do this whisper in your own heart with the Lord. You know what? The devil sets us up for bitterness. He has us set up to where we get hurt, we get offended, so that then in a situation to where it is difficult to forgive. Now, let me just toss this out too on the subject of forgiveness. If you were injured because of another person, if you were injured in your birth or you had a car accident or something, that your injury was due to somebody else and you suffered it, suffered for it, folks, bitterness wants to keep you from getting healed. So what we're going to do is, if this has happened to you, I want you to specifically address the name of the person who hurt you. If you don't know their name, that guy in the blue truck, I mean, whatever, God knows, because I want you to get all bitterness out. We don't want there to be any reason for you to still stay hurt. Amen. And whatever is, if you are dealing with something that is generational, that came down your family line, we're going to need to forgive those people who brought that thing to us. You know, if there is a curse of a certain type of disease in your family line, you know, you inherited certain tendencies towards things. We're going to forgive our ancestors for opening the door for those things for us. You know, whatever the thing is, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to give us a few minutes here and just get you to look in your own heart with the Holy Spirit. Who do you need to forgive? Maybe the person you need to forgive is yourself 
Maybe you can't forgive yourself for the stupid thing you did, the wrong thing you did, how you hurt somebody, how you just made a mess of things. Maybe you're the person you need to forgive, you know? Or maybe you need to forgive God because God didn't deliver you. God didn't come through like you thought he was supposed to, like you thought he would. Maybe you're disappointed because he didn't answer your prayer the way you had asked him to. You know, wherever there is any kind of bitterness, we want to get rid of that junk. We don't need to have that stuff in ourselves. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the kingdom of darkness. And the devil wants you bitter. Let's close our eyes and let's take a few moments. I'm asking you to close your eyes just because I don't want anybody looking around and nervous or somebody looking at me. All right, Father. Father, we recognize that we've heard a lot of truth here tonight. But God, we know that we don't need to have bitterness in our lives. We need to pull those strongholds down and take those thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of Jesus Christ. And Father, your word says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and powers the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against an invisible kingdom of darkness. And we have been set up by that kingdom for failure and for bitterness. And so, Father, right now we recognize that we have our own stuff to clean up and to deal with. Holy Spirit, please bring to our memory right now who it is that we need to forgive. We were hurt, we were offended, and we need to forgive. They may have hurt and wounded us, but it was not God who wanted us bitter, but it was the devil who wanted us bitter. The devil's the one that wants us to hold a grudge. So right now we're going to fall out of agreement. So would you pray this with me? Father God, I recognize my own problem with unforgiveness and bitterness. And I take responsibility for my own behavior for my own words, even though you have commanded me to forgive. So I choose to forgive those who have hurt me and offended me. I choose to forgive and tell the name of the person, whisper to the Lord, I forgive myself, I forgive you, God. I forgive my husband, my child, I forgive my neighbor, I forgive my coworker the people that you need to forgive. I forgive them in Jesus' name. Now, Father God, <clears throat> now pray this with me. Now, Father God, I repent for unforgiveness. I repent for bitterness. I renounce the work of unforgiveness. I renounce the work of bitterness. I ask you, Father God, to forgive me 
for all unforgiveness and bitterness. I ask that the curse be broken in my life. And I ask for healing and creative miracles into my soul and into my body and into my family. In Jesus' name, I take authority over the kingdom of darkness. I command the spirits of unforgiveness and the spirits of bitterness to go from me now. In Jesus' name, I fall out of agreement with you and I bring my thoughts into captivity. And now I bless those who hurt me. I bless those who wounded me. Father, reveal your love to them. Forgive their sin and make them whole. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Everybody feel better? Amen. Amen. Folks, be kind to yourself. God's invested a lot in you. He separates you from your junk. You have just tonight, you have taken back territory. You're going to be more like the person God intended for you to be. More free, more whole, and more lovable. Amen. Amen. Father, I speak blessing over these people tonight. I thank you, Lord God, for the grace to walk out our forgiveness, for the grace to walk out the courage, Lord, not to pick up those offenses again. Father, we choose to forgive. And by your grace and by the blood of Jesus, God, we claim the victory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord God. Sin shall not have dominion over us. But, God, we shall give glory and honor to you, not only with the words of our mouth, but within the lifestyles that we live. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15858, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.